Well, good morning. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here, and you're here for the second week of a series called Glow. And we're looking at this idea of how God uses light over 200 times in the Bible to talk about this difference between good and evil. And we're looking at it through the context of the Christmas story. In the Christmas story, if you go to a live nativity scene or you put one on your lawn, uh, that probably came from an interpretation of the stories about Jesus' birth in the books of Matthew and the books of Luke. If you have seen Charlie Brown Christmas, it, can't, it comes perfectly from the book of Luke. But we're looking at it from a different story. Another New Testament writer named John wrote down about the birth of Christ, but instead of talking about a baby in a manger and shepherd and all the political stuff that was going on in the world at the time, he uses this idea that Jesus being brought to the earth and being born was all about light going into the darkness. And so that's what we're going to continue talking about today. It's kind of wrapped around this verse in the New Testament book of John, Chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, where it says, The Word gave life. The Word is Jesus. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And so what we determined in the first week was that light is God's way of dealing with darkness. Anytime there's darkness, God's way of dealing with it is put light on it, and the darkness flees. It goes away. In July of 2002, in Pennsylvania, nine coal miners were trapped for 77 days deep below the surface of the earth. They were trapped there because there was an explosion that caused the mine to flood and the water kept coming in and coming up and they finally retreated to this furthest distance they could get from the water and it was cold and it was dark and as they began to calculate how fast the water was rising and where they were, they had every hour marked off. And they started to realize, we've only got an hour left to live. And we're all going to drown. And they start talking about life. And they start writing letters and trying to figure out how can we let our families know how much we love them and what we went through. And and, and that we were okay, and we we're ready to go. And, and they start having all those conversations. And just when things looked like they were at their worst, through one of the rocks that was keeping them from being rescued, this little drill bit came through with a light on the end of it. And light pierced the darkness. And all nine of those men were rescued safely. You might feel like you're in the dark today. You might, there may be something going on in your life where you feel like you're in financial darkness or relational darkness or something's happening in your life that you feel like, hey, I'm in the darkness and I don't know how to deal with this. Well, today, I hope what I share will help you flip the switch on and get into the light that only Jesus can bring and change your life. If you already have it, maybe the words I share will be the ones that you share with a friend that you know is in darkness and you're not quite sure how to confront that and how to talk about that. Maybe what you hear today will help you say the words they need to hear that will help them move from darkness to light. We're going to be looking at more teaching that comes from 
the Apostle John. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. It's a gift to you. You can also borrow it. You can also read along on the screen as I read different sections from John's writings about Jesus. So when I prepare a message, I always think about my audience. Who am I talking to? Who do I want to be impacted by this? How can I speak to this group or that group? Because we're all from different backgrounds and, and we're different ages and different economically and we do different things for vocation. So how do you speak to everybody? Well, in my mind, the way I do it, I put everybody in a group. There's a group of people that are like this and there's a group of people like that. And now how can I, over a 25 or 30 minute period, speak to each of them? And then, then I start to just kind of write around that and see, well, how could I speak to a person in this situation? How could I speak? Could I make generalization here? Do I need to be specific there? Well, when I did that for this message, I didn't come up with a lot of groups. I came up with two. There are those of you that are in the group of people who have made a decision to live in the light. Somewhere in the past, maybe it was recent, maybe you were a child, maybe you're a teenager, older than that, but somewhere in the past, you made the decision that living life with Christ was better than living life without Christ. Somewhere you decided that you did not wanna be in the darkness anymore and the best way your life could have meaning and direction was to move under the reign of Jesus Christ. And you made that confession and you made a decision that you trusted in Christ to forgive you, that you trusted in him to make your life better. You're not mistake free. You still goof up, but you know where to go when you make mistakes. You know who's there waiting to forgive you every time you goof up. So some of you, many of you are in this group. You're in the light and you know what it means to live in the light of God's grace and love and forgiveness every day of your life. But there's some people here that you may not describe it like this, but you're in the darkness. You may not be living this horrible, immoral life where you're, you know, like kicking puppies and, you know, and stealing stuff. You might not be doing stuff like that, but you're in the dark. Something inside just doesn't feel right. You need some direction. Maybe you keep coming here because you're feeling something. Just last week, someone came up to me and said, it's my second time at this church, fifth time in church, I think, in my entire life, and I want to keep coming. How can I serve? Some of you may not realize you're in the dark, but you know that something's just not quite right in life. You want something better. You don't want to stay where you are. And you wonder, could things be different? And maybe you don't even know how to get out of the dark or what you're feeling. You've heard that maybe Jesus can offer something, but you've seen some pretty nasty people that claim they follow Jesus, so you're not there going to share with them. So you just stay in the dark. Well, today we're going to look at a story of how Jesus treats people in the dark. Because what I want you to do over the next 15 or 20 minutes, is I want those of you that sit here to leave sitting over there. And I'm gonna tell you how Jesus treats people who are in the dark. Because when you read the Bible, you can see, how does he treat me when I'm directionless? How does he treat me when I'm mistake-filled? How does he treat me when I've done some really bad stuff? 
How does he treat me when I just can't seem to get traction in life? How does he treat me when I'm guilty? We're going to look at a story among many stories of how Jesus treats people who need to make the move from darkness to light. As Jesus was teaching, there were many other religious leaders in the world that followed him around. They didn't like what he taught. They didn't like what he had to say. So they were constantly looking for ways to make Jesus look bad. And so one day, and we're going to read some of this story from the book of John. One day, the religious leaders and other people brought to Jesus, who was in a crowd of people, a woman who was obviously and most likely a prostitute who had been caught having sex with a man she was not married to. And so they bring her to Jesus. They don't really care about the woman. They just want to trap Jesus. They bring her and they ask the question, Jesus, the law says to stone such a woman, and it did. What should we do? And they think, well, we got him because if he's a good teacher and these people who are following him, if he says, oh yeah, go ahead and kill her. Well then, wow, that's bad. That's gonna make him look bad. But if he says, no, you need to let her go. Well, that's gonna make him look like a lawbreaker and not a good rabbi and nobody's gonna listen to him then. So they think we've got him, guys. We've got him. This is the gotcha moment of all gotcha moments. So when Jesus speaks, we've got him. But Jesus said something they never anticipated. He stopped and he contemplated, and actually in the scripture it says that he bent down and just kind of wrote in the sand. And he said these words. In John chapter 8, beginning at verse 7. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So in one statement, all of her accusers are gone. There was one there who could throw the stone, and that was Jesus, and he did it. He was the one that hadn't sinned. He could throw the stone because he said, if you haven't sinned, throw a stone. You can just hear the stones going thud, 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 and people just kind of backing into the crowd like, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And they go away, and it's just Jesus and the woman talking, still people around watching, but the ones that were her accusers, accusers just walked away. And what Jesus says to this woman should resonate in your heart if you're in the dark, because this is how Jesus treats people who are in the dark, messed up, making mistakes, no direction in life. Here's how he treats them. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And then Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Nobody condemned you? Jesus said, I don't either. Go and don't sin anymore. And Jesus does a couple of things right here that if, if you're here and you've been a little bit hesitant to walk into the light and make that decision and walk across the line and say, yes, 
I am a follower of Christ. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but I know who I follow and I know who forgives me and I know who I live underneath and that's Jesus. If you're there, this should give you everything you need to walk into the light. Jesus does two things. First thing he says is, I don't condemn you. We already learned earlier in John's book, if you've read through it, that Jesus, it said that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. So he's not here to condemn us, he's here to save it. And Jesus shows that right here by telling her, I don't condemn you. The crowd didn't condemn her either, but it was for a different reason. They didn't condemn her because of their guilt. Jesus didn't condemn her because of grace. And this should be a lesson to all of us of how we treat people in the dark. Not condemnation. When I was a college pastor at LSU, go Tigers, there was this guy that stood on, the, stood on a box, literally a box, in the middle of campus, and he would yell at people. And he would yell very condemning things. He would call girls sluts and whores and, and horrible things that I can't even repeat. And he would do it all in trying to let people know you're on your way to hell if you don't accept Jesus. And he would do it in the meanest, nastiest, most condemning way that even made me want to punch him in the mouth. I did. I would sit back on this wall where it was free speech alley and the crazy stuff went on there and he was just yelling that out. And all the years I watched him, not one time did somebody go, what'd you say? Yeah, you're right. I am on my way to hell. I am an idiot. I am a whore. Yes, I got it. I will listen to you. Nobody ever did that. So we should take a message from Jesus when it comes to condemning people who are in the dark. But he also, he didn't just say, I don't condemn you. The next thing he said was, go and sin no more. Stop sinning. Now, it's really hard for our culture to wrap its head around that you can be told what you're doing is wrong, but it's not condemning. Jesus told her what she's doing was wrong, but he also said, I don't condemn you. He's saying, I don't condemn you, but you need to stop what you're doing that's keeping you in the dark. He said the S word, sin. He said it, stop sinning. Now, a lot of people want Jesus number one. Oh, I love that Jesus. He doesn't condemn. He, he's great. He loves and he just hugs and, you know, he's great. He puts kids on his lap. That's a Jesus I want. But then when it comes to the Jesus number two in this story that says, oh, stop sinning. Wait, 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 wait. Now, I like the other Jesus better. I like the one that just doesn't condemn. I don't like the one that tells me not to do what I'm doing. And there's a big difference. Grace frees me from condemnation. Truth calls on me to stop sinning, to stop doing the things that are keeping me in the dark. That's what the light of Christ does. It guides me to a better life. And the crowd that stood around and watched all this happen, you know, maybe they're taking notes, tweeting it, doing something. They're watching Jesus and they're, th they're trying to figure out, who is this guy? He says things like nobody else says things. And verse 12 tells us what the crowd heard next after he heard, I don't condemn you, ma'am. Go and sin no more. 
And then it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, if you sit here and you've already identified, yep, he's right, man, he got me. Was he reading my emails? Was he listening in on our conversations in our house? I mean, I'm here. Jesus makes all of us a promise. If you follow me, you don't have to live here. You don't have to live in darkness. Darkness does not have to define your life. Whatever you've done in the past doesn't have to define you. Why? Because Jesus will bring it into the light, expose it, you'll stop, it'll be in the past, and you don't have to live with regret. You don't have to live with guilt. Maybe you need to feel a little guilt to make the step towards the light, but once you're there, the guilt is gone. Guilt's not designed to live in. It's only designed to show us what's wrong. And maybe those words for you today have got you thinking, yes, I want to I make that step. I want to do that. I need to get out of the darkness into the light. And when we're faced with this, we have a choice. We can ignore it. CarMD.com says that there are 10% of us in this room that have a check engine light on right now. Uh-huh. See? I know who does. Elbows going on. Honey, I told you to get that thing checked. It's 100 bucks for somebody to tell you what's wrong, and then who knows how much more it's going to cost to fix it. So what do people do? 10% of the people that have them ignore it. They just like, it's not even there. I had an old car one time, over 200,000 miles. It was old enough to where it, it didn't have to have that emissions test. And so I just left it on because I got tired of paying to get it fixed. It would come back on. It would go off. It would come back on. People get in my car and say, hey, Donnie, you check engine lights on. I'm like, I know. I drive the thing every day. I'm not paying for an old car to get that fixed. So I got a piece of black electrical tape, and I just taped it right over top of that. Now I have to mess with it anymore. I ignored it. And some people ignore the light. They just ignore it. Well, maybe if I just don't think about how big of a wreck my life is right now, I won't, I won't have to do anything about it. So you could hear what I say, come in in the dark, hear what I say, ignore it, and leave in the dark. That's your choice. But some people... They don't ignore it. Some people make a decision to receive it. Some people realize how they're affected by darkness. Not just emotionally, but relationally and physically and all the ways that darkness affects us. And they say, I want to receive the light. And so they walk out of darkness into the light, and their life is changed. The Bible calls that trusting in Christ, receiving Christ. There are two big ways it talks about it. Believing in Christ. When somebody moves from darkness to light. There's a story in the New Testament that's in a book called Acts of thousands of people who heard a message very similar to what you just heard what it means to move from darkness to light. And a guy spoke this message named Peter, and the apostle Peter was trying to, trying to tell the story of Christ in a way that helped people who were in the dark understand they were in the dark and then make a decision to move into the light. And so he did it in the context of saying, hey, Jesus was this 
prophecy that you heard about, that your grandparents told you about. He came to earth to forgive your sins and you still insisted on staying in the dark. And he's telling them that. They would have had knowledge of Jesus being crucified a couple of months earlier and he tells them what all of that means, that what it means that Jesus died for you is that you were sitting in the darkness and Jesus shows up as light on the earth and says, I will take their place in the darkness. That was on the cross for him. I'll take their place so they don't have to, so they can live in my light. And so that's what he did. And then Peter ends up saying, your sins caused him to have to be in the dark and have to give his life so you don't have to live in the dark. So when these people heard this, they just asked a question. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. So something happened that made them say, oh man, I felt that. Maybe you felt it when I'm talking about living in the dark. What do I need to do? Brothers, what should we do? That's what anybody in the dark that wants to get out, you ask, how do I do this? If I turn the lights off in here, you're thinking, okay, you're gonna turn the lights back on. We gotta leave. I gotta run for the exit. What's going on? Is there something bad happening? You wanna know, what do I wanna do? Well, they figured out we're in the dark. What do we need to do about it? And so these words that are 2,000 years old still have weight today. What do you need to do when you're in the dark? You need to go to the light. And he tells them, he says this, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. So he's telling them, stop doing what you're doing, turn to God. You want your sins forgiven? Stop doing what you're doing, turn to God. And he talks about obedience in this verse too and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so he's telling them this is what it looks like for somebody to move from darkness to light. And a few verses later, it says, those who accepted this message were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000 people that day said, I don't want to be in the dark anymore. I want to move towards the light. I want to move out of darkness into the light. I want to flip the switch on and no longer be in the dark. And if you've determined that you're here today, I, I just want to say, let the light pierce the darkness that's in your life. And believe these words from Jesus when he said, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. That's caused, caused the good news. That's called the gospel. That if I trust in Jesus, I don't have to stay here. If I trust in Jesus, I get to take this journey and be over here and be in the light. I don't have to stay there. I might have a lot of mistakes and a lot of regrets, but they don't have to define me. I can move into the light. And just like those 3,000 people did that day, they made a decision that they trusted in Christ. Then they believed in him and they followed him. They obeyed him and did what he said to do. 3,000 people lined up and were baptized. Now, many of you need to make a decision today. And as the band comes out, they're going to come out and play. And I'm going to say a few more words and then we're, we're going to see some people get baptized today. We're going to see some people taking that step. 
We're going to see some people who've made the decision that they want Jesus to forgive their sins. They've received him into their life, and they're living in the light. If you have made the decision that you believe that you walked into the light and you've trusted in Jesus and you received his grace and you haven't been baptized, you need to do it. That needs to be a part of your journey from darkness to light. A question that I get a lot when people ask us about baptism is, hey, I want to start over. I want to move from darkness to light. I want to do it again. And I always say, what do you mean again? And the stories are different. And sometimes at the end of that, I say, yep, you should do it. And sometimes I say, no, you just need to make a declaration that you are claiming all that Christ has already given you and making a return to the light again. So how do you know? Well, if you trusted in Christ, you believed in him, you trusted him to forgive your sins, and you were conscious of that. Nobody did it for you or to you. And then you were baptized. You don't need to do it again. You just need to make that declaration that I'm starting over again in the light of Christ. But if you're in a place where you have no idea what happened, you don't know what you were thinking, you don't know, well, did I believe, did I not believe? If, you have, if you're in that place, you need to do it again. Some of you have never taken any step of faith towards the light. When I stop talking, the band's just going to play instrumentally for about a minute. And that's the time for you on your own to just sit there, communicate with God, let him know that you're wanting to move from darkness to light, that you want to trust in Christ to bring you into the light. Will you do that? If you would just stand up, and I know it might feel awkward, but just do it. Just do it. It'll be a celebration. Stand up and walk back to that door, and there are people back there all you have to say is, I just trusted Christ. Around through the hallway and you can follow him in baptism just like all those people did 2,000 years ago. Or if that's a step you missed out on, go back and talk to one of the folks back there about it and you too can follow Christ in baptism today. So as the music plays, take 30 seconds or so and just move towards the light. If you need to talk more after the service, if you're not quite ready, just please come and talk to me afterwards. But we're going to celebrate right after this moment. And people are going to follow him in baptism. And I hope you do too.